Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Well, glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Slap somebody a high five, tell them get ready for the word. All right, you can be seated. Open your Bible to John chapter number nine. John chapter number nine. Lord gave me a word two weeks ago, which is something very special. Maybe some preachers get a, get, the Lord tells them exactly what to say every single service. That doesn't happen for me. I have to rely on uh, the scripture that says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So I never stop being prepared. I never stop uh, focusing and studying and I never walk up without multiple uh, sermons prepared. But sometimes the Lord just says, teach them this. And this is one of those times. So I'm going to ask you to open your heart, open your mind and be open to see what the Lord wants to say to you tonight in this word, because it's changed my life. I believe it's going to change your life. Can you say amen to that? John chapter number nine, there was something that happened. It was kind of interesting. The Bible says there was a man there and he was blind uh, from the day that he was born. And Jesus comes up and heals the man. He takes and he spits down in the dirt and he makes some mud. And the Bible says he smeared it on the man's eyes and he smeared it on his eyes. And he told him, now go wash the mud off in a pool And the Bible says when the man went and washed the mud off in the pool, uh, that literally uh, he could see all of a sudden. And everybody around them was was shocked by the miracle that had just happened. Many people were questioning whether or not they were actually looking at the same guy because the guy was a beggar. He'd been blind his entire life. and, And we know he was at least a mature adult because his parents later say that he's a mature adult. So he'd been blind for a long time. And some people are, are barely even able to recognize, uh, barely even able to recognize the man. So that's where we pick up in the scripture, John chapter nine, verse number eight. The Bible says after the man was healed, it says the neighbors of the people around Those that had seen him before knew that he was blind. They said, this is not this, the man that sat and begged. And some said, this is him. And others says, it looks like him. But the man said, no, I'm, I'm him. I I was blind, but now I can see you guys have the right guy. You're looking at the right person. In other words, here's what's about to get on your life. If you'll get this word. The blessing of God is going to get on your life so strong, people aren't even going to recognize you anymore. How many of you wouldn't bother you if you walked in the exact same room where you were yesterday and they were like, oh my gosh, have you lost like 45 pounds? Some of y'all are like, I would weigh like 20 pounds if I lost 45 pounds. You're about to get so blessed, people aren't even going to recognize you. Uh, last year, uh, we were serving the Lord in Hawaii. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hawaii is a beautiful place. It's filled with, with wonderful sunsets and sea turtles and, and apparently sharks and all kind of stuff. But, but one of the things that's interesting about Hawaii is you can, you can be driving down the road and when the sun starts setting, setting, people just pull over. 
So, you know, when Hawaii, act Hawaiian, the sun began to set. We just pulled over. So let's get out and watch the sunset. So we got out and we're watching the sunset. And as we're watching the sunset, this guy walks up and he's playing a wooden flute. And I said, well, how about that? A guy walking up playing a wooden flute. My kids are watching a sea turtle eat seaweed right next is the, right next to the beach as the waves are lapping on the shore. The sun is, is easing into the water. And here comes this guy wearing a tank top playing a wooden flute. And I'm sitting there going, if this isn't Hawaiian, I don't know what is. And so I, I walk over and I said, hey, how you doing? He said, oh, I'm pretty good. He said, I come out at sunset every night and I play my flute. He said, I've been doing it for years. I love Hawaii. I said, that's wonderful. And he was saying all the Hawaiian type words like, like, like brudda and bra and, and stuff that if you're from Hawaii, you, you say, and it's an interesting type conversation. But all of a sudden, the, the word of the Lord came to me. And I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation, I don't vacate my calling. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sitting there. I said, hey, brother. I said, look, I said, I'm all the way here from Texas. Would you believe God sent me here to be right here at this moment to make sure that you know that he loves you very much? And the way I know that is because here's what the last three weeks of your life have looked like. And he starts to weep like a baby. He's about 65 years old. He starts to weep like a baby. His face is all unique looking, real, real uh, challenged by the sun. I'm trying to be respectful in case he ever watches this video. But he, his face was really challenged by the sun. You could tell he had a hard life. And I said to him, he, he's crying. He says, he says, he said, how do you know this? I said, I don't know anything, <laughs> but I know Jesus and he knows everything. Yeah. He said, he said, oh my goodness. I said, I said, but he would have never told me if he wasn't planning on helping you. Yeah. He said, he said, he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, would you like me to pray for you? He said, yeah. He said, perfect. So my kids are all there and they come around and I said, I said, I'm going to pray for this man. So I started to pray for him. And all of a sudden a Benny Hinn service breaks out right there on the middle of the beach. He's tripping and falling and I'm catching and picking him up. And he said, he said, what's going on? What's wrong with you? I said, it's not me. It's him. I said, that's the power of God trying to change your whole life. He said, I never felt anything like that. I said, I said, I know. I said, but he loves you so much. He wants to change you. And all of a sudden the Lord showed me another layer of his life. And I said, kids go get in the car. So now I start telling him the secret things that he's never told anybody. My kids are in the car because I didn't want to have to explain some stuff to them later. So I'm sitting there and he's like, there's no way you could know that. I said, let me tell you something. I said, God wants you. He loves you. He said, you don't understand, man. He said, my mom's been praying for me for 50 years. I said, 50 years? He said, 50 years I hadn't been in church. I said, really? He said, he said, 50 years I hadn't been in church. He said, 40 years I've been a practicing Buddhist. I said, Buddha ever made you fall on the ground under his power? He said, no. I said, well, I think you ought to give Jesus a shot since he's stronger than Buddha. I said, I think you ought to give your life to him right now. Are you ready? He said, I'm not ready. He said, I'm not ready to do it, man. He was saying that a lot. I'm not ready to do it, man. He said, he said, something's happening. He's just weeping like a baby. He said, something's happening, but I'm not ready to do it. I said, well, I'm telling you, I said, there's windows in time. I said, I don't know why God sent me here at this moment to watch this sunset next to your wrinkled up flute playing self. But he did. I said, and he's, he's really speaking to you right now. He said, he said, he said, I know. He said, but I, I'm just not ready. I said, okay. And I'm about to leave. He said, can I feel him again? 
I said, nope. And I got, no, I'm just kidding. I said, yeah. I said, but this time it's going to be, he's going to be more intense. I said, put yourself in a position to receive. He said, what do you mean? I said, lift your hands. I said, close your eyes. Don't look at me. You look at me. You get me. You don't need me. You need him. I said, but when I touch your belly, the fire of God's going to hit you. He said, okay, I'm standing there and now I know it. You know what I'm saying? Like now I know I got the goods and God's back in my play. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you think, you think, uh, you think I'm joking. I, I remember one time we were on vacation driving to Colorado and I went to a Carl's Jr. It's a, it's a vegan salad place that I like to get a salad sometimes. And we were at Carl's Jr. having a salad and, and, and. I was relegated to dog duty. Anybody ever traveled with a dog? So my wife and kids were getting the food. I'm taking the dog for a walk, which I don't have like a big, the the dog with us. It's not like a big, you know, like aggressive, cool, manly dog. It's a little old bitty dog, little old bitty leash. I think we lost, at least get a big leash on the thing, you know? So you're carrying this little, it looks like you're carrying a piece of thread in your hand and you're like, and you're talking to the dog, trying to get the dog to do its business. The dog doesn't want to do its business. You're in a parking lot. You find like one blade of grass. like, there's some grass, pee on that. They don't want to pee on the grass. So you're sitting there talking to the dog. Come on now, TT, you can do it. TT, come on. TT, dog's looking at you like, I ain't peeing on the concrete, gonna splash on my legs. I don't want to do that. So you got to go find a piece of grass. Finally, I get back in the car and all of a sudden Crystal's there. She goes, hey, I got you a sandwich or I got you a hamburger. I said, perfect. I said, well, I'm gonna go wash my hands after holding the dog's thread. I want to go in there and wash my hands real quick. So I go into Carl's Jr. to wash my hands and I go in there to wash my hands. There's a guy in there and, and all of a sudden the Lord starts speaking to me, said, you should tell him I love him. And so I said, hey, the Lord loves you. And he goes, oh, thanks for telling me that. I said, great. So I go to walk out and, and as I'm walking out, I walk by somebody that's standing next to the trash can and, and the Lord tells me minister to him. And I said, no, I got a sandwich in the truck. I want to go eat my sandwich. I'm trying to get to Colorado. I don't even know where I am. I just took the dog out. The dog splashed all over his own leg. I got to figure that out. Things are going on here, Lord. I get in the Escalade, shut the door, and the Lord and, and, and the Lord just goes mute to me. I don't know about you. I live in his presence. He will stay closer to you than every family member you've ever had. And I know when he's mute. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, baby, BRB. So I go out. I walk back in there. And, and now I realize that I'm hungry I, I, I want to get back on the road. So I said, I'm just going to wrap this whole thing up. I said, can I have your attention, please? Everybody just looks at me. They said, they, everybody just looks at me. They're all eating their, no, they're eating their salad. You know, this is a salad place. They're all eating their salad. And they all just stop and look at me. I said, can I have your attention, please? I said, the Lord loves you very much. Jesus died for you, rose from the dead, and he wants you to give your life to him. And oh, by the way, you specifically, he's about to move in your father's life and he's going to heal them. And the lady screams, ah! Now all of a sudden, everybody from behind the counter runs around to see what's going on. And this lady is hyperventilating. And the guy that I saw in the bathroom that I said, God loves you, he said, you don't understand, man. We just left the hospital. Her dad was just diagnosed with cancer. I said, well, my hamburger's getting hot. So if you want him to get healed, you're going to need to pick her up and I'll pray for her. My hamburger's getting cold. So he brings her over. 
He brings her over. I said, she said, what do I do? I said, give your life to Jesus. She said, okay. I said, now lift your hands. I said, when God, when, when I touch you, God's going to touch you. You're going to feel the power of God. And it's going to verify that he's actually going to heal your daddy. Is that cool? She said, that's cool. She lifted her hands. I touched her on the head. She hits the floor. The other guy falls into the, uh, 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 the booth that was behind him. And all of a sudden everybody that everybody starts going, what's going on? I said, this is Jesus and a couple of Pentecostals. Overall, I start hearing I said, all right, y'all got it from here. I'm going to Colorado. So I don't know about you. I don't vacate my calling when I go on vacation. So this guy, his face is all wrinkled up in Hawaii and he sits there and I said, look, brother, I said, I'm going to a, to a church in, in, in Hawaii on Maui. We're on Maui. It's an island. I said, I'm going to a church uh, to uh, Sunday. It was like Thursday or Wednesday, something like that. I said, I'm going to church in a few days. I'm going to this guy's church, Dr. Morocco's church. I was going to Dr. Morocco's church. I said, I want you to meet me there. Here's my cell phone number. Give me your cell phone number. I'll pick you up, whatever it has to happen. It was 20, it was about 20, 25 miles away from the church. He said, he said, okay, I'll go with you. I said, great. So the next night or Saturday night, I text him. I said, Hey man, do I need to pick you up? Nothing. But at 6.30 the next morning, I got a text Sunday morning. It says, I'll meet you there. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. And, and so we get to church and I'm standing out there. And all of a sudden, this guy starts walking up to me. And he's like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, who is, he, who is this guy talking to? And all of a sudden, I realized, what was his name? All of a sudden, it was Russell. I said, Russell? He goes, yeah, man, how do I look? He didn't have a wrinkle on his face. I'm telling you, when the blessing of God gets on you, people won't even recognize you. So the Bible says, the man says, hey, I am him. Then the Bible says, verse 10, therefore, they said unto him, he said, how are your eyes open? He answered and said, a man that's called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash and I went and washed and I received my sight. Verse 12, they said, well, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought, the, they brought him to the Pharisees, the man that was blind before. And it was on the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Verse 15, then again, the Pharisees also asked him, he said, how did you receive your sight? He said unto them, he put clay on my eyes. I washed them and now I see I almost sense a little frustration. His story is getting shorter every time that he tells it. He says, I wash my eyes and now I see verse 16. He said, therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man's not of God because he keeps not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was great division among them. Verse 17, they said unto the blind man again, what says you of him? The one that opened your eyes. The blind man said, or the man that was blind says, he's a prophet. Jesus is exactly to you what you need him to be in a moment. Can we give God a hand of praise right here just for the word of God? So he said, the man is a prophet, but the Jews did not believe concerning him, the one that had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked his parents saying, is this your son that you say was born blind? How does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, we know this is our son that was born blind, 
But why, but by what means that he sees, we don't know. And we don't know who opened his eyes. But he's of age. Why don't you ask him? He can speak for himself. When the blessing of God hits you and you refuse to compromise, they will stop talking to you and they'll start talking to others about you. The minute that you take compromise off the table. See, the man just kept saying the same thing. No, Jesus made some mud, wiped it on my eyes, I washed it off, and I'm healed. Yeah, 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 but give me the results. There are certain things you can't explain. The miraculous is inexplicable by definition. So when the miraculous gets on your life, you have to understand you're going to have to hold on to that because everybody around you is going to question it. And when they, when you decide that you're not going to compromise, now they're going to start talking to other people about you. Have you heard of that church over there? Would, would you believe that they still believe God will raise a dead person to life? Do you believe that they're over there talking about God will heal somebody? Did you know you shouldn't be giving people hope like that? Give me a spiritual break. If we are not hope dealers, what are we? So the Bible says that they said, you should just ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. Verse 22. Are you still with me? Say amen. Amen. These words spoke his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again, Called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man, speaking of Jesus, is a sinner. Verse 25, last verse we're going to read. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing that I know, I was blind and now I see. I don't know everything about Jesus is what he's saying. I don't know his shoe size. I don't know if he uses product in his hair. I don't know if, if, if he is, is uh, new to the area, you know, from, I don't know anything. All I know is I woke up this morning and I could not see. And now I'm staring you in the face. And all of a sudden, The Bible says the Pharisees began to get very upset and very angry because here's what religious people do. Religious people criticize what they cannot explain, but people of faith realize we're not walking by sight anyway. We didn't get into this thing because all of a sudden we uh, understand everything. We got into it because a man, the son of God himself began to alter our very life and alter our entire situation and change our family. So the Pharisees are losing their mind. They're like this guy, he's talking about Jesus. We got to do something about this. And listen, they threw him out of the synagogue the same day that he got healed of being blind since birth. Religion will cause you to do things you wouldn't even do in your own human nature. 
Nobody would take somebody that was blind and that was a beggar their whole life. It doesn't say he had time to go change his clothes. He was still in his begging clothes and his begging attire. And they threw him out of the synagogue. His parents are standing there. People are saying, this is the guy that was blind. He's saying, certainly I was blind. They said, what happened? And religion had so calloused their heart that they threw them. They threw him out of the situation. Can I say this? Some of you needed to get thrown out of the situation that was stopping you from fully following Jesus. Some of you needed to get thrown out of that loveless theology that convinced you that you were right and everybody else was wrong so that you could actually see his beautiful face and recognize he's not into being exclusive. He's into trying to include everybody. He's not trying to get far from people. He's trying to get close to people. Certainly there's a recipe to access him. But if we restrict the, the, the recipe based off the fact that it's not involved in our little click, I thank God for some of the clicks I got thrown out of. I thank God for some of the clicks I wasn't, I wasn't uh, invited into. I thank God for some of the places I thought, oh, I wish I could just go in there. And I never got invited and I never got told because I found out later as things begin to change, they didn't want me. They only wanted the anointing or the gift on my life. They just wanted to hear the revelation coming out of my mouth, but they didn't want to get anywhere close to the source where the revelation actually came from. Because when you get close to the source where the revelation actually comes from, you get to a place where you can't explain everything anymore. I'm not going to serve a God that I have to be able to explain because if I am superior to him, what do I need him for? No, there's a place Where you got to get to the point and just say, look, I don't know everything about him. What I know is he absolutely revolutionized my life. I got people and I love them. They come to me and they say, man, you know, I go to such and such church. I say, glory to God. They said, but I come to your church about once a month. Because I just need to be filled up. And then I go back to my church. I said, what on God's green? I don't say this, but I'm thinking, what on God's green earth are you going back to a bunch of dead wood for? You come in here and and, and pardon the, the strong terminology, but you prostitute all of the blessing, favor, and anointing that goes with allowing the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. And then you want to put him back in a cage or put him back in a box. I'm not going to put him in any kind. I wish somebody would give God a little praise because the Holy Spirit is God just like the Father and the Son. Please be seated. I'm just getting started. See, what happens is they want to, they want to see what what prostitution is, is it's coming and taking from somebody only what you want, but then leaving you in disarray. People come and they want to, they want to prostitute a relationship. Would you pray for me? Oh my God, it happened again. He just, he left me. And then you pray the devil straight off of them. And then they don't want to be seen in public with you. All of a sudden things begin to get really real whenever you go all into this stuff. But, but here's the reality. You can know the recipe 
If a doctor writes you a prescription and you don't take the pill, it's not the doctor's fault you're still sick. Hey, let me just tell you a story real quick. You guys got time? Cool. My wife, Crystal, is amazing. And when we got married, we moved from, um, where did we live, baby? Oh, she's not in here. We moved towards Houston from somewhere, you know, Nederland. We lived in Nederland, Texas. And we moved to Houston. And, and, and I felt like the Lord told us which church to go to. So we went to this church. And when we got to the church, we were there and it was wonderful. And one of the first things they had, like, we've been there like two weeks. We're 22 years old, you know, uh, um, young and in love. Can you say amen to that? And, and we were just loving everything about God. And, and we believe God sent us this church and we walk in and the median age in the church was probably 60 years old. So here's this 22 year old couple and God called us and told us to go to this church where almost everybody is, is at least two, at least twice our age. Most of them more than that. And I remember sitting there saying, this is where you told me to be. This is where I'm going to be. Praise the Lord. And it was a beautiful time. And, and then about a month or so in, they had a, um, a baking competition. And it was like a dessert cook-off. You know what I'm talking about, a dessert cook-off. So they had this dessert cook-off, and it was just going to be a, a, a beautiful time. And I, I told my wife, I said, baby, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I grew up, and, and my grandmother, we ate, we ate Sunday lunch at her house almost every Sunday. And it was always going to be like smothered steak. Come on, somebody. If you don't know what smothered steak is, you probably grew up somewhere not around here. Come on. We would have, we would have roast. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about you, you brown it first and then you put it either in the crock pot or you put it in the oven. You slow cook that sucker so that whenever you leave for church, you don't smell a thing and you walk back in the house and the anointing of almighty God smacks you in both nostrils. I'm talking about rice and peas and corn and gravy and rolls, yeast rolls back before, you know, everything was fast. You had to set them out so they would rise and you would let them rise to the size you wanted them to be at. Then you would put those suckers in the oven and then you would have some butter. And I ain't talking about this, this, this whatever kind of butter they got now. They got unsalted butter. I said, that's not unsalted. That is incorrect butter. That's what that is. And we'd eat every day and every now and then she'd have a uh, one, my favorite still is today. My favorite dessert. She had a carrot cake. Jesus take the wheel. She, it, she had a carrot cake that was so good that it was, I mean, it was legendary in our family and she would make a, a homemade, uh, cream cheese icing. Are you hungry yet? She would make a homemade cream cheese icing and it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. So I told, I told Crystal, I said, baby girl, I said, you get that recipe from my mom. And I don't know if my mom will give it to you because I just don't know. <laughs> but if you can get that recipe, you'll win that cook off. She said, thanks. So I said, baby, I'm telling you, it's a slam dunk. So my mom gives her the recipe. 
she, the 22 year old, just little, you know, we're eating out every night. We're having the time of our life, just whatever. She's in there just cooking. I'm sitting there grading the carrots. Has anybody ever graded carrots before? I'm sitting there grading the carrots. She does the thing. She's doing all the stuff and she makes this, this cake. And so we bring it up on Saturday to the, to the church. We're in the parking lot of the church. We're going to have this big event and everybody's there. And you know, I always appoint a couple of judges that are going to judge it. And so I walk by and I don't know, there's 30, 40 desserts there, maybe more. And I looked and I walked by and I said, nope, it's a lock. She's winning this one. And she said, you think so? I said, baby, I said, look, I'm a world-class eater. All right. I've been eating and I don't, I don't waste a bite. You know, unless I'm like on a specific diet, I'll tell you what's good. And if you you can take it to the bank, I'm trustworthy knowing what is good, uh, 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 food. So anyway, she says, she says, you think so? I said, sugar, sugar foot. I said, I'm telling you, you're coming home with a trophy. I hope it's a, I hope it's like a chance. I hope it's a belt buckle. You know what I'm saying? You're coming home. It's going to be amazing. So she sits there and, and I said, I'm watching the judges when they judge them and they're sitting there and they, they take one bite and they look all look at each other and they write down on their piece of paper, whatever. And then they all get to the carrot cake and I'm watching them take a bite because you're not supposed to know who's is who's. The judges aren't supposed to know. And they take a bite and then every single one of them went back for another. I said, write the check, write the check. That woman's winning that prize, write the check. I said, baby, I said, I said, come over here. I said, fix your hair. I said, you're about to get called to the front. I said, I said, you're about, you're about to be called up. I said, your gift just made room for you right here, baby girl. And you had this little, this little, this little, uh, uh, pack of, of little old ladies. And they were all sitting there and they were looking and they were, they were, they were, look, most of them had glasses and they were looking down their glasses at the, at the thing and you could tell what was going on. And then all of a sudden they said, all right, okay, here time, time to announce the winner. And they gave a uh, third place goes, uh, goes to, to so was actually didn't say who it was. They said third place is the strawberry cake. Who made the strawberry cake? And one of the little old ladies like, oh, that's mine. And she was smiling, but she was mad. So then all the rest of them are looking at each other. They're sizing each other up like, yeah, you ain't at my pecan pie. And I'm thinking you're pecan nothing, lady. You ain't taking no prize home when that carrot cake's up there on that table. So she's sitting there and they said, all right, the second one, uh, second place, first runner up. It, it, it goes to the pecan pie. And the pecan pie lady goes over there and she's smiling through gritted teeth. She's like, you judges don't have a taste bud in your head. And all of a sudden they get to the grand prize and they said, far and away. The winner unanimously is this carrot cake. And I said, I said, that's my baby's carrot cake. <laughs> and she came, she came walking up there. You know what I'm talking about? And all the old women are lit. I just, God's honest truth. All the old women are looking at her just like this, just looking her up and down. Like, ain't no way that little young thing just cooked something that took down my strawberry cake. It's phenomenal. I'm talking about world class. And I'm, I'm about to do something that, that I don't know if you're supposed to do. And if you ladies, if you got your phones, you might want to pull it out. If, if, if you take notes, you might want to take some notes. I'm about to give you the grand champion carrot cake recipe. <laughs> Throw it up on the screen. This is actually my grandmother's 
handwriting. Is this, is this my grandmother or my great grandmother's handwriting? It's my grandmother's handwriting. You ought to see, baby, they're all. <laughs> no, no. This was back in, a, in, another, in another time because you can't just take a cake. If you don't know this, I'm about to help some of y'all. You, you, you put all the dry ingredients together first. Then you bring the wet ingredients into the dry ingredients. But if you don't sift the dry ingredients first, you're not going to have a good mix. And you might have some lumpy flour or a, or a chunk of soda and a bite of soda in your mouth. It's not going to be good. So you take the ingredients. You take uh, the two cups of sugar. Praise the Lord. Keto. You take the two cups of flour, two teaspoons of baking soda, three teaspoons. It's kind of cool. You see the little uh, uh, quotation marks or whatever she would put there. And then you take one teaspoon of salt and you have to sift all that together. And when you sift all that together, it's going to blend all those dry ingredients. Then the next thing you take is you take a cup and a half of oil. Now that's important because that's going to keep your cake moist. Four eggs, going to hold it all together. Then you have to have three cups of freshly grated carrots. Gentlemen, if you want your wife to make carrot cake, this is the most taxing part. If you will shred the carrots, she will probably make the cake. And depending on your grating skills, you might lose some, some knuckle skin in the process. It'll just cook right with it. You don't have to worry about it. Three cups of grated carrots. And then you bake it at 350 for 35 to 40 minutes. Then you take a toothpick. You guys know this. You take a tooth, you put it in two different cake tins and you take a toothpick at 35 minutes, stick it in there, pull it out. If it's got cake on, it's not done. If it's got cake batter on, it's not done. If it's, if it's clean, then you pull them out, let them cool, turn them over, and then you're ready to ice them. But you got to let them cool first or the icing will all just run off. Are you, are you still with me? I feel like we've, we've entered into the food network here. Praise the Lord. So the icing is real simple. It's one stick of oleo. Does anybody know about oleo? Does anybody remember way back in the day? You need a stick of butter. And don't get, the, don't wig out about it. You can get the grass-fed butter if you want to get the grass-fed butter. But don't, do not even think about getting unsalted butter. You hear what I'm saying? There has never been a recipe that was enhanced by unsalted butter. One stick of oleo or butter, one ounce package of cream cheese. Now, I should have told you this. You need to set both of those out when you start, when you start preparing the cake itself. Because you're going to need the, the cream cheese and the butter to be room temperature in order for them to be able to blend. Does that make sense? So then you skip, then you take one box of powdered sugar. It doesn't really come in a box anymore. Uh, but you'll know. You just put as much as you want in there. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> I got to keep some secrets, babe. You know what I'm saying? I can't tell them everything. And then you can skip the next one. One cup of pecans. I, I don't like the pecans. I like pecans. I just don't like pecans in the carrot cake. I like the carrot cake to be front and center. But if you want to put uh, uh, a cup of pecans in there, you can. And, and you'd be wrong. But you can. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Lastly, you put two teaspoons of vanilla extract. My wife says the vanilla extract must come from Mexico. I think she only says that so that I have to go back to Mexico on a cruise with her so that she can get some more vanilla extract. 
Matter of fact, ever so often, you'll just see her with the vanilla extract just pouring it down the drain. She's like, babe, we got to go back to Mexico. So this is the recipe. Everybody got the recipe. You can leave it up there. This is the recipe for this carrot cake that she destroyed the competition with in humble, in humble Texas. And it creates this beautiful cake. We would always do two layers, you know, the first layer, the second layer. And then my wife always puts it in a nice cake uh, serving dish, usually a glass one so that you can see it. And it's just the most beautiful. Can you picture it? Just the most beautiful cake. It's my favorite. It's really good with a glass of milk. I put it in the refrigerator. It keeps it moist. Uh, and it's, it's just, I think not only optically appealing, uh, it's, it's also the world's greatest dessert. Uh, but you don't have to just get a picture of it. I'd like to show it to you. Can you bring that out? I want to show you guys this cake. Y'all give them a hand as they're bringing it out here. This is world-class dessert. And whenever you see it, you start really getting a picture because the difference, thank you, sir. The difference in this cake and other cakes is other cakes are not champions. And this cake is a champion. So my wife would always do, you know, a really good job. And she would, she would always, she has this, this way of making me feel like a superstar. She, she typically always gives me the first, always. So when, when dinner's being made, she makes my plate first. If she makes my plate, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're busy or sometimes I'm doing dinner or whatever, but dessert, there could be 20 people at the house. She will, she will make mine and she will bring it to me. If I'm sitting, talking, and I'm not sitting there saying, Hey, bring it to me. It's nothing like that. It's just, it's just, that's what she does, but she'll take the cake and she'll, she'll cut me a nice piece of it. Usually something pretty substantial. Y'all see how moist that is. She'll cut me a nice, beautiful piece of that beautiful carrot cake. And, and when she does, she'll bring it over. And usually she'll bring me a glass of milk if I want it. Are y'all seeing this? Is this crazy? But the fresh carrots, they not only add to your flavor, they also bring the moisture to the cake. Does that make sense? And, and just, just seeing it is appealing, but when you taste this thing, I'm talking about your life changes. Okay. I'm talking about your life changes. And, and, and the, the best bite, if you ask my wife, is this, is this point right here because it's from the center of the cake and the center of the cake cooks the slowest. So the outside of the cake is going to cook a little faster. It's going to be a little bit drier as you get to the end, but you end up getting arguably the perfect bite of a world champion dessert. Would anybody like a bite of this cake? Too bad. Mm. Whoa. Did I just lose every wrinkle on my face? This cake has been destroying other cakes and blessing our family literally for generations now. Crystal's at least the third generation to cook it. She learned how to do it. She does it. And what was interesting is I thought it was only possible when my grandmother went to heaven. After that, I didn't know you could actually bake this cake more than one time a year. Because my mom would only cook it on my birthday. 
And I'm like, mom, what's up with the carrot cake? And she's like, I ain't sitting there grading all those carrots. I tell you what. So I got married and Crystal started baking these cake. I was like, God, you have sent me a good thing. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. I wouldn't eat this in front of you guys without offering you some. Guys, bring it in. We've got a bite of this cake for every single person in the room. Come on, y'all give them a hand. We got a bite for every person. They're going to serve you. You got a little water there. After you try a bite, I want you to tell me honestly, is it the world's best carrot cake or not? Let's all, let's all wait. Don't, don't take a bite yet. I want everybody to take a bite at the same time. And if you already took a bite, you're not getting another one, okay? The Bible says that it didn't matter if you went to work first the first part of the day, the last part of the day, everybody gets paid the same. One little carrot cake pop. Now, while you guys are getting it, though, I'm going to probably enjoy this for a few minutes more. Oh, the cake pops have turned into microphones for the front row. All right, everybody got their cake? Here we go on the count of three. The count of three. One, two, three. Be honest. Is it world-class or not? Come on. She cooked that thing at two o'clock in the morning. Y'all give her a big hand. Is that world-class cake? Yeah. I'm talking world-class. If you, if you, you need another one. This church, Chad, I don't even know. Here's my point. When I gave you the recipe, you began to understand. When you watched me, you began to desire. But nothing compared to when you actually tasted to see how good it is. David wrote a beautiful psalm. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. You cannot go through life trying to base everything you do for God on your understanding. Because your mental understanding of God will sooner or later find a dead end that you cannot explain. You cannot live your life watching people like me or whoever you like to listen to talk about how much God is doing in their life. Because no matter how much of this cake that I eat in front of you, it will never satisfy you. There has to come a time, come help me, Matt. There has to come a time 
when you choose, regardless of if you can explain him, you choose to lean in and say, I'm going to taste and see for myself what he is like. But you better know he is not going to cost you something. If you really serve him, he literally will cost you everything and you will give it with a smile. You'll give it with, with, without even a thought. Ivan said Friday, when you are in love with something, it's easy to die for it. If you have children, I said, would you give your life for your child? It's a knee jerk, 100%, not even thinking about it, absolutely on the go, anytime, 10 days a week, no problema, I'm with it. But when you taste and see what the Lord is like, you got a choice. Because they're going to come. And they're going to say, hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, well, I thought, are you sure you're the blind man? Um, yes, I remember being blind like an hour ago. <laughs> well, what was Jesus like? I don't know everything about him, but I know what he did for me. Yeah. See, you don't have to remember what he did for Pastor Brian. But when you have tasted And you see how good he is in your own life. See, he never put the responsibility of remembering my testimony on you. He said, if you can, if you can get yourself under the blood and let the testimony of the goodness of God that you have tasted come out of your mouth, overcoming is not an option for you. It's a guarantee for you. But you got to know it's going to cost you something. They're going to talk about you. You're not going to fit in everybody's clique. And that's okay. I don't want to not fit in somebody's group. That's not what I'm trying to say. I love everybody that waves the banner of Christ. But I've already tasted. You can't tell me he doesn't do these things. You can't tell me he won't pour himself out on you. You can't tell me that he won't immediately deliver the afflicted. You can't tell me he won't immediately heal. My son was blind. Verified by doctors. And God miraculously and instantaneously healed him in a doctor's office. I don't know why you are not giving God praise right there. I'm supposed to be picking out C&I dogs and measuring him for a, a, a stick with a red end on it. And instead, I'm standing on a platform eating cake. This is the God that you serve. This is what he does and who he is. But it'll cost you something. You're not going to fit in everybody's mold anymore. There are some things you can't explain away. I was told this. I don't know it uh, because I've never been a drug addict. But I was told 
that there are drugs that one hit and you are hopelessly addicted to that particular narcotic. One. They say there are opioids opioids out there that one time taking that thing, smoking it or shooting it, however you do it. One time and you're hooked. There's a scripture in the Bible I love. It says an unjust balance is an abomination to God. So if the devil can touch you one time and you be... If the devil can touch you one time and you be hopelessly bound. I still believe God can touch you one time and you can be hopelessly set free. They say, well, well, how's it going to happen? You know, how did he do it? What, what, did he do it this way? Did he touch you on the left side? Did he say it this way? I don't know. He spit in the mud, rubbed it in my eyes, and I, I can see now. I washed it off, and now I can see. Yeah, 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 but what was he like? Is he a sinner? Is he not a sinner? How'd you mean? Oh, what I'm telling you is I used to be bound to some stuff, and now I'm not bound to some stuff. Well, I tell you, if you can't explain it, you can't hang out with us. Well, apparently, I don't need to be hanging out with you anymore, because there's some stuff in this Bible that I can't explain, but you've gone too far. I've gone too far. I've taken it and I can see that the Lord is good and every now and then he'll come into a conference and he'll begin to pour himself out and he'll begin to set you free of stuff you didn't even know you need to be set free of all because his son Jesus loves you more than he loved his own life I hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do number one subscribe to our show That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.